right. Uh, welcome back, everyone. This is the fourth episode of Struggle Circle by Style Circle. Um, as many of you know already, I'm Naomi, and this week I actually have quite a big team with me. Um, we're going to be dump- jumping into the topic of diversity in fashion or struggling with diversity in fashion. Um, As a lot of us know, the industry has had its issues over time with, you know, equal representation, um, like welcoming untraditional kind of beauty standards and all of that stuff. So today we're going to unpack that and talk about how the industry can do better and be better and uh, service everyone because fashion and clothes is for everyone. We all love it. Um, Regardless of your background, fashion plays a huge part in our daily lives. So why not make the industry welcome for all people? Um, So I've got quite a few people to introduce today. So I'm going to turn it over to them and then we'll just jump right in. Okay, so I'm Uba. You heard me on our first episode of uh, Struggle Circle. I'm a media student, but I am into fashion. um, And I'm going to be facilitating the discussion, and we're really going to, I don't know, deep dive into those issues of diversity uh, in fashion. Hi, guys. My name is Vanessa. I am a fashion student here at Ryerson, and um, I'm really excited to be here today. I think it's so important uh, to have these discussions, especially in uh, large groups, so uh, thank you for having me. Hi, I'm Nabra. Um, I'm a fourth-year uh, undergrad graduate from Neff's School of Fashion. Really excited to be here uh, to talk about diversity. My name is Emmett. I'm a fifth year photography student, almost graduated too, thank God. Um, and I, yeah, I know. <laughs> Won't even get into I that. I know. Um, <laughs> and I'm the vice president marketing and uh, photography for Style Circle. Hi, I'm Luke. <laughs> I'm also fourth year fashion design student, also almost graduating, thank God. And I'm the president of Style Circle. Very excited to be here. First podcast recording. Mm. Yeah. Yay. Yes, so big team today. Lots of thoughts, lots of discussion. So Uba, why don't you get us started? What are we what are we gonna dive into first? Okay, so the first question that I would want to ask you guys is do you how do you feel when you don't see more people of color on runway shows? So just thinking about fashion and the most like obvious kind of way like when you like consume fashion content so seeing them on runways or like editorial shoots like how do you feel do you notice it do you not notice it do you think there's like a problem with the type of beauty that you see and if they include people of color like how are they actually including them like is it just light-skinned people is it just people with certain like physical attributes that you see so Mm -hmm. do you want to start talking about it yeah of course um I think it's funny because as a kid, like growing up and like watching TV, I love TV. I never really took notice to how whitewash media was, how whitewash fashion was. And now just becoming more of an adult, um, not truly an adult yet, but more of an adult. Um, I've noticed that it's it's like it's everywhere in the fashion industry and in, in media as well. And now I just I feel like I'm almost numb to it. Sometimes I don't even really acknowledge it as much as I should because it's it's literally it's it's everywhere it's it's so ubiquitous ubiquitous in the fashion industry I mean um unfortunately of course I I think it's yeah it's it's it sucks of course so um I think like similarly to to Vanessa it was the same deal like when I was younger I didn't realize how uh, like uh, how prevalent it was 
um, obviously you probably internalized it and you kind of just from watching TV you'd be like oh I want really silky straight hair because I see all <laughs> the princesses with silky straight oh, hair yes. so it's just yeah. you don't you don't acknowledge it in the most direct way because you're not aware of it because you're a child but you do realize after that this is how I felt and it's weird to be older and kind of go through all the things you used to say to yourself even and this is something pro we'll probably talk about later but it's you know even when you talk about like colorism and stuff like that when you yeah. realize that I used to say when I was younger like oh I can't go out in the sun or I'll get darker and so yeah. it's crazy to think of I used to say that about myself when I was younger um yeah but now looking back on it older when I see in media like little representation I almost look at it as lazy and then I don't want to look at it anymore so if I don't see myself represented or other people represented then I just don't want to contribute to whatever is being produced so do you make it a conscious decision in yourself to look to media outlets or look to certain programming that will cater to you yeah yeah I do um, I think I take the necessary steps to look at media outlets that do support me and or support people who look like me um, or support diversity so um, it might take a little bit more steps because it's not directly coming to me but um, it's also the things I care about and that I tune into so like taking the conscious effort to support let's say a black owned brand is something I take pride in um, so it's it's not mainstream but it's like these little steps that I can do to support my own community uh, rather than just being like, oh, it's not being shown, so I'm just going to pretend like it doesn't exist. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think being uh, a student at Ryerson, too, at least I feel has been really kind of beneficial to my education and awareness because, A, the city of Toronto is so ethnically diverse and just diverse in every way. Um, I live outside the city, so I don't actually live downtown. And my town of Georgetown is very white. I went to a high school with predominantly white people, white teachers, white principal. I think back in 2014 when I was graduating, there were maybe two or three black families in Georgetown and that was it. There was really no Chinese or like Asian people no Indian or like East Asian people um, so coming to school in Toronto was you know an active decision for me because I knew that you know my town was not how the rest of the world looked um, and even in our classes like I feel like I've been pretty fortunate to have been made aware of the importance of diversity so now that I'm you know going out into the world um, it's funny Vanessa and Nabra you both kind of mentioned that you don't really notice the lack of inclusion when you're a child um, and now that I have kind of become more aware of it it's actually kind of crazy how non-inclusive just natural media is um, and so as you know somebody who is from like a white background I know that you know diversity and including people that look different than me is super important and I think being at Ryerson has been really helpful for that too Emmett and Luke do you kind of feel that way as well it's interesting because ever since like elementary school, middle school, high school, my my those school I was it was so diverse. It wasn't like like and so things like that whenever I didn't think of it again being a white male, you don't think of those things because you see things in the media where it's like like white people are represented like all the time. So it's like 
you mean. Um, but I didn't think of stuff like that in high school and middle school because everything was so diverse. It was never a qu- like it was never a conversation because everyone was just so intermingled and stuff like that. But it was until university then these conversations started to happen, and I started being exposed to these conversations. And um, especially in like our faculty. I find, and being a photography student in image arts, it is a very white dominated thing. Um, uh, not dominated thing, dominated um, industry? I- industry program. Program, that's yeah. that's what I was trying yeah. to get at. <laughs> um, and it wasn't until like, I don't know, it wasn't until I started that I really realized like in first year and I was like, oh, like, I didn't, like, I don't, it was weird because I think I was so, like, it was such in a bubble in high school and everything like that that I was never like, it was not out of the norm to be in such a diverse group of people like everyone from every single background like we I had so much knowledge on all these different cultures and stuff like that just because people came from all these different backgrounds right but when I got to university I was like right and so then I started like being exposed to these conversations and then I started becoming aware of these things mm-hmm. where it's like going back to your question about like the runway thing right yeah if I notice that there's say like a runway show or something like that and all the models are like of one race if they're all white I'm like like I, I even you even get, get turned off. I kind of yeah. like mm-hmm. oh I don't like that, because I genuinely like I, I don't know. It's just like I just I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, especially when I see like it's predominantly a white yep. like a white purposed show. I it number one it is lazy. It's for yep. sure lazy. But to me, it's to the point now where it's almost purposeful, because you hear in the media you hear constantly how you know how white fashion can be and how you know so many designers are doing the wrong thing and doing um just just not being inclusive number one so now when i see this and it's continuously happening i just i i truly think it's purposeful and i i feel like you're limiting so many people because you don't want to associate your brand with a certain type of person and so whenever i see it happening i just i just am so turned off by it now because it's to me, it's almost like you're doing this on purpose. So, yeah, sadly. Uh, well, for me, um, I've always, I've never been in like a diverse school space. Like ever since I was probably like eight years old, all the schools I've been to, I've been like the only minority. So it's weird because I noticed these things heavily in terms of discussions. Like I was always the one to be called on with racial discussions or I would always feel left out of certain things like I just remember certain like really like like moments where I really realized like how different I was to my classmates when it'd be like in middle school everyone's like oh we're gonna go to the beach we're gonna go tanning oh Uba would you want to come or like just so many different things like where I realized like how there's a problem systematically which I don't think people really understand that the reason why our programming, our content, what we've received through media outlets is all reflective of like societal constructs Hmm. and also systematic problems that have been like in place for so many years. And it's not even just a thing of being black. It's about like any, any minority, to be honest. And then you feel like the only media that I consume with black people a lot of the times are like in subordinate roles. So like slave movies, movies about segregation and like apartheid and like whatever. That's the only time I see myself represented. So it'd be like, it's like when I was a kid, I never had like, what's it called? Princess and the Frog or a Disney princess. But at the same time, she's still like, she's still poor. And then she overcomes this poverty. And it's like, 
you never really get like adequate representation like when you feel like you have something yep. to look in yourself it's always like it's stereotypical it's stereotypical oh you're poor oh you're yep. oh you're being abused like in high school the only books i ever read was like what's it called heart of darkness which is about like colonializing africa yep. and like you know what i mean that was it mm-hmm. and like the only time i was actually casted as a black person in a play was a raisin in the sun which is about segregation yeah and i was told by my teacher oh we can finally do this play because we have two black girls in the class now and it's like when you see that especially because i went to an art school like when you see that because that's an industry i'm trying to go into so when yeah. i see the industry doesn't cater to me it really affects me and it like even what you're saying like as a kid like i would always like some da- some days i would like be like in my room just thinking like wow i wish i was mixed oh my life would be so much better like i wish i look like this and that's like really messed up to think and to have those types of like complexes brought out to you at like a young age so i feel like when i look at fashion it's like i consume a lot of fashion it's like it's not even i just feel like nobody cares about my money but yet they're still exploiting my money if that makes sense because yep. you're still gonna buy things there so it's on a lot of us who create that content to be aware of it you know yep. what i mean and also like vote with your dollar yeah. i think as a student with the limited money i have i like i'm trying to make a conscious effort to really put my money in something i believe in and something that represents me or what i want um so i'm like trying to if i don't see myself represented in like in a clothing store maybe i can do something different maybe yeah. i can thrift something yeah. maybe i can buy something vintage and that's something i'm trying to ingest myself not only in fashion but in different you know realms just in general um because it, yeah I, I i definitely agree with you i think it's so important for you like for me as a person who sees a problem like a like a systematic problem for me to make an effort with the money i do have because that's really all i can do at this point in time and also in terms of like jumping onto cosmetic brands like you see brands like it cosmetics i remember i saw this video on Facebook like surfacing about the person who owns the brand talking about how important it is to represent people and inclusiveness yet she literally has like five foundation shades and the darkest one is like tan if that do you know what I mean so it's like you'll see people who bring on these issues and really try to tackle these issues but then the thunder is stolen by someone who's not even doing that and it's like controlled by like a white woman who claims to care about people but yet she has like five foundation shades and they're all light you know what i mean and it's like you'll watch youtube or you'll watch so many things and you'll see people being like oh i love this brand of makeup and it's like great i'm watching it i can't ever buy it Mm -hmm. and it's like how are people getting praised for something they're not even doing and like if you like if you're buying makeup like do you consciously think to buy from brands that have like wider shade ranges but it's like i wouldn't expect you to do that necessarily because it's like you need to get something that fits you but at the same time i'm like to what extent should we expect like white people or like other people in like a higher position to like fight for my rights too do you know what i mean yeah um i mean i guess on that note like i've never even thought about it that way like i've always been able to just pick from any brand because i like how the product works i like that you know this foundation or this tinted moisturizer has you know the level of SPF that I want. It's never been about, oh, does this 
shade work for me or does this brand even offer a shade that works for me um and you know that as i'm saying that it also kind of feels hypocritical in the sense that you know i want to be somebody that you know supports inclusive brands that uplifts other people that don't get included in the ways that people that look like me do get included and yet here i am like buying from brands or buying from companies not even thinking about whether or not any of my other non-white friends can shop at the same like company um going to sephora like i literally have the pick of the litter um but you know if i go shopping with you know zoya or any of you guys like you don't have the same pick of the litter as me um which just like it feels icky like that doesn't feel okay like if i love nars or laura mercier and i want to tell you oh my god like i love this nars thing like i want you to be able to love it too and have a shade that you know reflects you but not just one shade but like the shade that works for you and that's so annoying that there isn't that across the board i think it also like it stems to not just sephora but drugstore brands a lot of like yeah you see it and it's it's really frustrating especially when you first get into makeup um as someone who really loves makeup um when people tell you why are you going to sephora because as soon as i got like my first like paycheck i was like okay i can finally afford to go to sephora and get like nice high quality products but when i was first getting into makeup at like 14 and my mom really didn't want me to get into makeup and i obviously did not have the money to go to sephora and get the higher end brands to go into a drugstore and not see a single one of your shades there is so it's almost like kind of traumatizing because you're just like where am i in this sphere do i not exist and it's hard when your your friends who are lighter even like maybe they are black but they're or of like a person of color but they're much fairer um to tell you oh my goodness you should try this it's so cheap and it's so good and then you go and it's not there and so then you're just like okay but it doesn't exist for me so it doesn't matter and then they get mad at you or they question you when you spend more money on a product that does fit you but you're just like okay it's access too so or shopping with friends yeah you know white like fair skinned friends it's it's like it's embarrassing when you can't find what you're looking for or there's like there are literally like three shades that you that you know are available for somebody who is a little bit dark (laughs) you know like it's it just it really does make you embarrassed that you're there and that they're seeing that there's nothing for you there and that you know you're not marketed for it's I've had that experience Mm -hmm. multiple times when I'm like shopping with my friends at the mall and there's nothing for me or um yeah I can definitely relate to that on a Mm -hmm. yeah for sure do you find it's getting slight like has it gotten easier at all with brands like Fenty by Rihanna or even like other (laughs) I don't know okay I just got like a reaction so maybe that was like a problematic question but like with this whole like prevalent discussion in the industry right now like everybody wants to be seen as being diverse and inclusive to all people especially in the beauty sphere like Mm -hmm. is it changing at all it's changing for the wrong reasons Mm. and i'm gonna say that fenty beauty i really i really like rihanna and i really respect her she created 
a brand that caters to literally like almost every skin tone because I feel like as a person of color she saw that problem within the industry so now you'll have brands that never cared about diversity as soon as they see you can make profit off of us now you're like oh let me be diverse let me expand my shade range like tart like I don't buy tart I don't like tart because they're shady <laughs> and they just want to make money off of us they never cared you know what I mean? Yeah, it's and never it's, been from day one. Yeah, and it's like... It's a marketing ploy. It's yeah. a marketing ploy, and it's like... It's because people think that black people aren't going to spend as much money, like our money isn't valuable. So then when you have things like Black Panther or Fenty Beauty, where it's like it blows up and it makes tremendous revenue, it's like, okay, now you want to do it. But for how long? As soon as you have one movie that is like a flop or isn't as successful, they're like, oh, diversity's over. We're not going to do this anymore because we don't care and we can't make money. Yet you'll continue to fund other stories and other things that don't get any money because it caters to white audiences and you assume it's going to make the money so you keep on betting on them it's like for us it's like we have to always keep at this like insane level of success for you to recognize us which isn't normal yeah. it's like not every film you're going to make is going to get over a billion dollars around the world do you know what i mean so mm -hmm. it's like it's like a catch-22 in some like instances and even like a lot of like in like the media industry like a lot of actresses like viola davis like people are like oh you're like meryl streep you're so amazing you're so beautiful and sh i saw an interview with her and she's like why don't you pay me like meryl streep why don't you pay me what i'm worth and it's like they don't think that you're worth that money even if you're that amazing you'll never be as you will never get paid your value isn't as high as another white actress do you know what i mean even for models but why does she even have to be compared to meryl streep in the first place why no. can't she just be like viola davis no, they'll be like on so, her own because if you think about like actresses like the most one of the the most successful people mm -hmm. is Meryl Streep right Absolutely. so they're gonna be like wow your talent is like just as good as her and then she's like okay so why don't I get paid for it so when people so when people want to sell a film or they want to sell anything they're gonna be like okay how much audiences can you like draw in like how good are you gonna be on screen and then she has all those abilities but they just don't want to pay her and even like casting like because she's a darker skinned woman I watched this documentary with Oprah, I think everyone should watch it, it was called Dark Girls, and there's like a bunch of actresses like Gabrielle Union, Kerry Washington, people talking about how they couldn't play roles that were sexy because they didn't think that they were attractive or that sexy because they had darker complexion or because they're a little bit more athletic or things like that, where it's like, it's just like messed up. And as soon as you, the point about the Fenty Beauty or just like this whole thing about diversity now, it's like it's become a trend and I'm afraid that as soon as it's like it's just gonna come and go and people aren't gonna really care about it when it's like an everyday thing for so many people yeah. well unless they're gonna put more diverse people in you know executive power positions but it's never gonna really change how is that gonna happen when everything with like when you think about jobs and how you get access to jobs is through word of mouth when you're in certain institutions yep. like certain times you don't even feel like you're able to to reach these things because you've been like stigmatized your whole life and it's like a systematic problem. Like if you live in a certain neighborhood, th your quality of education isn't gonna be the same. In Toronto, people don't realize how like segregated certain, like Toronto as a whole is diverse, but there's neighborhoods that are so pocketed and so segregated. Mm -hmm. It's like the schools where you go is like where you're gonna get the funding. Like certain places in Rexdale, the least funding, yep. the lowest academic scores. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And if you come here as an immigrant, you're already like penalized because you're an immigrant, you don't know how the system works. Like you might have like be ESL, like you're already stigmatized through that. You know what I mean? 
And then you look at school, like I'm in RTA. There's no black professors. There's maybe one contracted person who comes in and lectures once in a while. Do you know what I mean? So if you don't see people in those positions, because a lot of the times it's like they're not even going to give you the position because you don't know them. And it's all like who you know. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to network. And then they don't even want to bet on you. Yeah. I think also going off of uh, what you're saying, getting to those positions within the creative industries, I think it's incredibly difficult for people of color, not just black people, but any POC for you to get to a position of like a high power position. Because number one, it's it, it's it's truly who you know, especially in fashion. It's obviously it's who you know. And networking is, you know, it's dynamite. It's it's it's. Everything. Who can I call to help me get this job? Mm-hmm. And more often than not, you're gonna call, you know, somebody that is, you know, is is like you almost, and somebody who like you know, and that's generally speaking, somebody that, um, yeah, I, I like when I'm when I think about internships, for instance, it's it's so hard for people who aren't white to find internships that are unpaid, oftentimes, and for you to um, like work unpaid and not be supported by um and just have like low being like not paid at all and um it's a lot easier for for like white people to be supported by maybe their parents or something else and instead of people of color who don't have that luxury oftentimes and and can't you know move across the country to do an internship that you won't be paid for at all so um, I think internships are so important for creative industries, but it, they're just not accessible to most people. And I think that's where it starts is, is when you're in school right now and then with the internships right after. Navro, one of the reasons why I like wanted you part of this discussion was because I was so incredibly moved by your capstone oh, that thanks. you did for school. It was so amazingly gorgeous and the message behind it was perfect in like every sense but also in the sense of this discussion can you kind of talk a little bit about for people who maybe didn't see it or don't know what your capstone was and what kind of the motivations behind it were yeah sure so my capstone was basically I wanted to create a platform specifically aimed for black women to have kind of like this digital safe space where they could discuss things about makeup and hair um like beauty and cosmetics but also identity and kind of deeper things that are all wrapped up into our both physical and like mental spaces Um, and I just felt like as a person of color and when I initially did this project I wanted it to be um, a platform for all people of color because I realized that there are darker skin individuals who aren't black Um, but I realized that there's so much trauma within like black female perspective. Um, And there was, because it's academic, I had to do so much research academically and I just couldn't bear, like tackle everything. So I, and I didn't wanna, I didn't wanna half half it at all. I kind of wanted to make sure that I could Mm -hmm. do the best I could in the section that I could. And as a black person, I felt, I didn't feel it was appropriate to kind of do all of it at once as well as I feel like a lot of the issues that we see with anti like like dark skin is all rooted in anti-blackness like it goes back to I don't want to look black or I don't want to be African so I kind of felt the need to just focus it on black women and do what I could in that sphere um, and then hopefully people could understand where I was coming from for that one specific space um, 
And so then I created a digital safe space called Blush, which is a beauty website. It's kind of like Refinery29 or Coveter. It has interviews and um, editorial content uh, all based on makeup and um, like hair. So I interviewed 10 women um, with from different like ages, uh, backgrounds, ethnicities, uh, religious backgrounds. Um, as well as kind of like makeup skills. Some of them talked more about hair. Some of them talked more about makeup. Um, and they kind of just talked about their identity, how they felt about representation in the beauty industry, how they felt about not being seen, um, but also what they love about makeup. So one of them, one of my participants, her name was Fadma. She loves doing makeup um, as like a form of like self-expression. So. She uses uh, like anime characters to make her makeup looks and it's like super cool and she like posts them on Instagram and so they're all inspired by different characters. And so she showed me her sketchbook of like different looks she did and I just thought it was the coolest thing. Um, and she also talked about being like black and Muslim, which is a huge thing for me because I'm also black and Muslim. So I really want to get someone's perspective of, you know, how do you live in these spaces when you feel like you're being erased from all the conversations. Um, so she talked about that, um, but then there was also another person named Alex, a friend of mine, who talked about like her Afro-Latina heritage and mm -hmm. how for a lot of her life she used to reject her black side and like didn't want to acknowledge it and how um, her community didn't want to acknowledge it. And so that was really interesting to hear from her about how she had to kind of like grow and unlearn what people used to tell her because there was like a saying that she told me that was basically in her family they would say like to better the race which is the idea of getting with someone of a lighter complexion so that your children will be light nice. yeah it's no, like i've heard of that yeah no. it's like some serious heavy stuff and i was just like this is crazy um so it was cool to hear everybody's stories and hear everybody's um backgrounds and it was a lot because you hear a lot of trauma as well kind of just things people had to deal with growing up and really unlearn um, but it was also great because I felt like people were really open with me. Um, and then there was just like more editorial content. So like photo shoots, um, makeup looks, how to wear like green eyeshadow. I felt like it was really important that I included stuff like that because that was initially what I wanted. I just wanted pretty pictures of black people. <laughs> I was just like tired of like not seeing us represented in magazines and editorial, especially in beauty. I was just and like this I had thought of this idea before Fenty came out and then Fenty came out and I was like shaking I was like okay cool. <laughs> <laughs> so but just as in like a note Fenty was probably mentioned in every single one of my interviews someone either mentioned that they wanted to use it that they have it I had to take a lot of pictures of some Fenty foundation um or like they were like moved by the by Rihanna so and it wasn't just because she was Rihanna but it was because they genuinely felt like a connection to the brand um so that was really great and then I the editorial stuff was more just because I felt like it was important for black women to see themselves represented in a space that wasn't always talking about race yeah and wasn't always talking about how do we like decolonize our minds like I was just <laughs> tired of it because it, it yeah. it's so overwhelming um 
yeah and discouraging and it's like when you do see it on platforms like i think refinery 29 is pretty good at like acknowledging this type of stuff but Mm -hmm. i think other platforms that i love and i do like watch but when they do acknowledge like black identities or they feature black women um it's like during black history month and i'm like so we only get one month of the year and then we're gone so um i felt like in a space where we're consistently we're going to be politicized anyways because we're black and we're people of color why not just give us content that is like not i don't want to say meaningless but but just not yeah black just, people doing regular yeah, things like just how being to wear a model yeah. and wearing beautiful clothes yeah how to wear green eyeshadow three ways and it's not complicated it's just is so that was um that's kind of what i wanted was both the the talking about really deep meaningful things like people talks about colorism and all these different issues like texture hair texture but also just Mm -hmm. give them content that they can see themselves represented without having to think too hard about it Mm -hmm. so um that's what bush was yeah i was just wondering also in terms of whenever you have these discussions about race i feel like certain not everyone but a lot of the times white people feel like we're like being like you Mm -hmm. specifically in this room are the problem and you've created all of these issues like I feel like anytime I've had these conversations it's like people just get really defensive and nobody wants to hear someone out and that's like a natural human trait because you feel like someone's attacking you Mm -hmm. but we're just discussing our problems and because a lot of the times you have a lot of leeway and like a lot of influence in terms of these discussions um it's like I wonder how you feel like if you're white speaking about these things can you speak about it do you feel like you shouldn't say anything at all and do you feel like in that moment if you say nothing like is it a problem i think it's i think sometimes i feel like um and this is with anything that's like we've we're in a we're in a society now that's very um what's what i'm looking for everything's very everything has a critical eye placed upon it so Mm -hmm. no matter what you say someone's gonna have an issue with it right so it's hard for and especially a lot of the conversations are happening in terms of like things on social media and social media is i feel like this weird this weird place (laughs) where it's like people like oh they hide behind and they don't right um but for me sometimes i feel like i don't know it's like hard because i i always like to support like everyone and support black women black black men like anything like that like different uh racialized groups stuff like that but it's hard because it's almost like i don't know i don't know what i'm trying to say yeah I it's it, it, it's like this touchy subject right yeah. i feel like which it shouldn't be so it's like hard to like i don't know and again it's coming from me coming from that background where i never thought of it before to now like thinking about it and like being in a society where it's like so heavily talked about it's hard to kind of I don't know my what my thinking of it is is to be as supportive as I can and be there to support people and not be, not be the voice but to be the supporting role to yeah. like racialized groups uh, anyone who's of a minority group mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense yeah okay yeah and I think I'm, <laughs> I'm not eloquent at speaking same <laughs> space and it's it's hard to be you know air quotes politically correct yep. and you know you want you don't ever want to say anything at least i don't that essentially reinforces the systems that exist um and i think for me personally i'm always trying to you know be supportive be 
as you know open-minded and there as possible but also to kind of find ways to kind of use my position to open up the floor to people that don't get the same privileges that I do so you know and I mean even in saying that kind of feels icky in the sense that it's like oh I'm giving the space to somebody else it's like well it, it shouldn't be me giving the space to somebody else we should all just have the space mm-hmm. um and you know yeah it's hard but I always kind of it's always there and it's always in my mind to try and be as I don't even know what the also, word is as like inclusive inclusive and like just supportive as possible and like finding ways like even at style circle like this year with the magazine was really important to have you know multiple covers and have people of color on those covers two out of our three covers were people of color um to kind of have students on the team that aren't all white i mean sometimes it's hard we have a team of 50 people this year and you know i think four are not white four or five are not white um and like there was nothing that we did intentionally to make that happen it wasn't an an application process everybody that was interested and that reached out got a spot on the team there was no like yes no selection process um it also comes from the fact that again fcat is very white white. yeah right so So it's it's like like in that pool of people who want to apply for a job like that there's more more white people which is stupid but so it's hard to kind of see that you know as hard as you do try yeah. sometimes to be mindful and open as and you know reduce those barriers as much as possible sometimes the systems just kind of operate there's also this fine line too that you yeah. don't want to cross in terms of like again the whole thing about like speaking for someone and yeah. stuff like that also it's like it's a learning thing too like just even having this conversation here is like a learning thing for like all of us right and so it's like as someone who's like learning something a lot of times you just have to listen Mm -hmm. right and to take those in like you're not you're not in class teaching your prof something you're maybe you are (laughs) (laughs) maybe you are yeah but like oh things like racial issues yes like things like that because again it's the whole thing was like our faculty and stuff like that is very whitewashed but like a lot of times you're going to like a class to learn so you're quietly listening to that class yeah right it's the same thing like you want to take in these issues and learn from them and have those discussions with other people and stuff like that. i've had just like things even with my parents too bringing these issues like people who are like even like 20 years like like they're like say they're in their 30s even that difference between like us being in our 20s and people in their 30s there's right. a lot of difference and yeah. change yeah. so like even having these conversations with my parents and stuff like that being like they see things on the news and i my brother and I will, my brother's younger than me, and we'll like call my, we'll call our parents out on stuff that were, I was like, mm, no, yeah. can't say that. Or, or I was like, and, and I think for them it's like this weird learning curve because again, being like my parents were born in the 60s, I don't know, whatever. Um, but again, that whole thing, it was a different time. And so like they have to like adjust and then here we are like, right? Mm. I don't know. But you, I, I don't know. And I also yeah. find it hard to, like, there's always that problem with tokenism as well. You yep. never want to be tokenistic and be like, ooh, to be diverse, we're going to include, like, a person from this background, a person from this background, and, like, ooh, got all our bases covered. But how do you navigate that space where you do want to purposefully be inclusive, but you don't want it to be, like, 
counterproductive or like surface level either and that's where I'm still learning too in my, in my opinion I think it depends on like the position that you're giving to that person um, because if you're just you know having a bunch of you know token like just a couple people who have or like interns for in, for instance and really have no um, like voice for the actual company or brand or whatever label it doesn't matter then there's really no change that's happening unfortunately just interns don't have very much say mm-hmm. for much um, but I mean if you're having one say one person of color one woman who is you know in the like a head of the department or some type of you know high-powered position and I think in that instance tokenism it, it's still wrong, but it does help to have a new voice for the brand and a new, um, just a, a new, new voice. Let's just say that. So I think in some instances it is necessary to, um, to help dismantle um, what's already previously been happening. Um, so I, I think yes. Sometimes it is it is helpful, but I, I, in my opinion, it depends on what type of person you're bringing in mm-hmm. and what that person will do. I feel like I've had um, a lot of conversations about this with people and other black people and then uh, them being like, oh, you shouldn't just give them a job because they're black. But it's like it's you know, if you're in a room with people. Right. And it's like you have two people who are equally qualified. Who are you going to pick? And it's who you connect with the most, right? Mm. So it's like, so if I'm, it's like hard to say because it's like every person does it, like subconsciously. And there's a lot of unconscious bias that we're not aware of that has been like conditioned to us. So I feel like as black people, we'd be more likely to be like, oh, give the job to a black person if you're white. Be more likely to give that job if they're equally qualified. And the only thing you're going off of is if their personality or if you connect with them more. So it, I think to some extent we really do need to actively feel like have a certain type of requirement. So like for women in the office or people of color in the office, and that's for a lot of different groups, even like indigenous people, like a lot of scholarships, a lot of things are specifically made to cater to them to like break down the system a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you have to start doing that. Like you might not, you might be qualified. It doesn't mean you're the most qualified, but just to bring like a new voice or a new I don't know new system in place you have to do it which is like kind of bad because you might not be getting what you want at first but it's like if you look at it long term it'll help long term change Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. but even that I feel like if so I feel like if um if you're a woman let's say doesn't matter what race you are in the workplace and you start hiring more women men might start to be threatened and be like oh now I have less of an opportunity to get a job or now like my place is being taken or being overlooked so it's the same thing with like minorities all white people might be like oh now it's easier to be a person of color because now everyone wants to hire you and you have more like opportunities and I've had conversations with people who think that like oh you're black so you're gonna get this job easier than I am now it's like it's bad to be white it's a bad time to be white or something like that do you know what I mean yeah Yeah. I've come across that too and it just that feels raw. Even in even in FCAT yeah. or in my media class, there's so many things that people don't know, and it's shocking no, to me. Like I don't know why I have such high expectations <laughs> for people, and I feel like they should know certain things, but they don't know. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. It's sure. in fashion too. Like as a person coming out of the fashion program, like 
four years of just like having to teach people and it's like not my job to teach people no, but I have no. to but you have and to it, it's your responsibility yeah and it's and it's it's I think the only thing I like remember the most is um if anybody's been in like Ben Berry's class yeah. like intro to topics of, what is it I don't know topics topics yeah. or whatever yeah. Yeah. Um, intro to fashion <laughs> he, yeah. he talks a lot about like different issues um diversity issues within the fashion industry and I remember I had always known about cultural appropriation obviously living it yeah. like from like young but I remember walking with this one girl outside of my exam as this white girl and she was like she was describing exactly what cultural appropriation was but she couldn't remember the name and she's like I spent all night studying it like oh, I spent all day and I couldn't remember the answer yeah. on the, the exam and oh, I was just, like trying to be empathetic and be like yeah Did you tell her like no I was just like oh sorry like I don't know like hmm, better next next time like right. I don't know but um I didn't say anything to her but I like came out of that conversation being like I that was the one question I didn't even have to think about because it's my exactly. lived experience exactly. um and for her it was just like a term to be studied on a test and then to be forgotten right after the exam is finished oh for sure so yeah. it, it that was one of the realizations where I was like for some people this is just you know, something they need to learn so they can pass and make the grade. And for me, it's my lived experience because every day that's something I'm fighting for. So, yeah, it's interesting, that kind of experience. And then also just microaggressions, like being in class, you know, doing critique, stuff like that, hearing people say things and you kind of have to be like, I, you can't say that. Like even Mass Exodus last year, it was at Daniel Spectrum and it was in Regent Park and there was this huge conversation about gentrification. Right. Um, and what's our place as fashion, as this like outside source that seemed very elitist? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we integrate in a space and not take up room and celebrate diversity and all that stuff? And I felt like as a person of color, specifically as a black person, I felt like I had to say a lot of things in that class to the point where they were like, do you want to be community director so that you can voice these opinions and so that people um, like you can just make the claim and be like, you're not doing that. So I didn't have to like go through these like internal cha- channels. So sometimes you have to be the person who like says it. And I even had to do like a whole you presentation. Did yeah, I did the land, yeah, acknowledgement, I did. Uh, land acknowledgement last year. And I think they, they did it this year too. And, um, right. but I even had to give like a whole spiel on like gentrification, like language right. we shouldn't be using. Right. Like right. you need to be careful. and. I just heard like weird things in that class where I was just like, I don't know why you thought that was appropriate, but cool. So it's like really weird to be in academic spaces and even from your own professors, like to hear you're someone who's supposed to be at an academic level say things that are derogatory or racist or like a microaggression and you're just like, what can I do? I'm surrounded by people who won't understand me. Um, and as black women, like you're scared that you're gonna be pinned a certain way. Yeah, Honestly, angry black women, yeah. Of to be because. honest, at this point, I don't care. <laughs> I I've come into fourth year being like I just don't care. But um, like honestly, I came into this year being like I want to fight someone, but it's fine. Um, that's my <laughs> that's own. That's my that's my own personal like opinion. Um, but yeah, it's hard. Like I know certain professors that I'm just like I don't like you because oh. you're stupid. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I remember. In, um, last semester we were talking about the um it was our history of costume class i remember vividly we were talking about the suffragette movement and so many people like had no idea what the movement was even about but let alone like the professor was talking about how the suffragette movement like was solely was representing all women of the time and she was just 
giving like such false false facts and so many people were just talking about how it was so amazing for you know black women who were in the suffragette movement and just such false facts and I was just taken so far aback from it all and this happens like repeatedly just especially when professors are giving like false facts and false information History. to students especially when it has to do with like groups that are minorities it just it like rubs me the wrong way and for sure I have profs that like I just I, I can't like it's it's too much like I yeah that really irks me for sure because it happens all the time and especially when you are in a program that is like de like definitely white it it is upsetting because I feel like nobody will understand how I'm feeling and if I tell my friends that this is actually wrong people will assume that I'm just upset or I just mm -hmm. don't like the prof or I'm just making taking it, it up. personal T yeah taking yeah. it personal and that's yeah, it's for sure it's dif it's difficult. Does it exhaust? I mean, obviously every person's experience is their own and this in and of itself might be a problematic question, but does it exhaust you as women of color to constantly have to be those educators? Yeah. Yeah. Cuz I feel like yeah. I'm n like I've never had to kind of justify I don't even know if it's justified, but like explain or rationalize any of the experiences that I've ever had in the same way that you have. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if I was in that position, I would just get so pissed off being like, why do I even have to explain this to yeah. you in the first place? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. how do you draw that line between, you know, educating and bringing people in so that the future can be better, but also just like wanting to live your lives as yeah. people? Yeah. I had this experience twice this semester with professors. Um, first was in my media aesthetics and culture class where we were talking about uh, like Tintin goes to the Congo. And if you don't know what comic book that is, it's like one of the most racist comic books ever. Yeah. And it's like, and then I was like, why are we talking about this in class in terms of being diverse and talking about culture when it comes to black people? And she was like, oh, you're right and switched it to like a Black Panther or like a different type of narrative. So even in that, uh, like in me like calling this person out, like I had to write a like a summary on it. Mm -hmm. And I put like on the end, like in italics, just so you know, like when you only talk about this type of experience, it's really bad. And I went on this little mini, little tangent on my paper and she met with me to have coffee and was like, wow, I didn't really realize that. And it was a shock when you wrote that in your summary. And that changed something. That changed something in the curriculum mm -hmm. then and there. Like two weeks later, it changed what we were learning. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then another uh, instance in one of my like, pre like presentation classes, we're talking about the Me Too movement. And in our, like, in our uh, script, it was like, and the women and the first survivors who came forward, uh, Angela Jolie, Uma Thurman, Ashley Judd, and no mention of the woman who started the movement in 2006, Tarana Burke, and I was like, you can't say this. Like, this is not correct. And then her response was, we're talking about people who made it a global story. And I'm like, what does that have to mm -hmm. do with anything? There's so many people that have come forward, like Oprah, Viola Davis, like people who speak about these issues. And it's like, how can you call yourself a journalist when you're literally picking and choosing what type of narrative you want to tell, mm -hmm. and it's not even the right story. It's not even the truth. You know what I mean? So I called her out on it, man. Went back and forth on the emails. And it's like, <laughs> I have to do it. Like, because I did a piece, I directed it. And to me, that was really important to 
properly tell the story, like properly explain like what Me Too is. And we did a male panel too, because I didn't want to leave men out of the yeah. conversation. So I'm always consciously, consciously trying to bring like a new narrative and like a diverse perspective. You know what I mean? And so she changed it eventually after I had to like bark at her a couple of times. You know what I mean? And it's like, yes, I get really, really aggravated sometimes because it's like why do i have to fight i have to take time out of my day to now educate someone who's been teaching here for 25 years and who's worked as a journalist has worked in the industry and it's like why do i have to do that but it's like i will do it because it'll help eventually yeah so it's like we have to then take on these burdens which it's fine because you're used to it mm -hmm. and it's like i'm used to it by now yeah. you know what i mean and if i don't say something no one will and that won't do anything yeah it is tiring, though. I mean, like, because then you're associated with being, you know, that stereotypical angry black woman, and especially <laughs> when you're doing it with a prof. You don't know if they're going to grade you poorly because they've, you know, you've, they've, what? Sorry? I don't even think about that. Oh, I do. <laughs> I definitely do. Um, I just, I mean, I guess, like, some people just really don't care, and that's fine. Like, that's fine for sure. But especially when I, when these things happen in school, I do think about how it's perceived, especially with props, especially when you do call out props, because they could easily just, like, you know, just not help you in the future, or just mm -hmm. not, like, give you poor grades. And I feel like that's definitely an issue that, of like, other friends of mine have faced, yeah. for sure. And um, it's unfortunate because, I mean... As a professor, I think, as a student, I mean, you think that your professors are, you know, all-knowing and um, are giving you, like, the right information. But it, it truly does show how much, you know, everybody is is learning and especially learning about these these um, conversations. No, like, everybody just continues to learn. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's really important to call, call it out for sure um, because... Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. tiring. It's tiring. That's all I'm yeah, going to say. It is tiring. <laughs> I 100% I feel tired. <laughs> um, I, but I also agree, like, I do feel compelled to say something because if I don't, like, I know, one, I know I'll regret it later because those people will just go about their life and I could have made a change. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, two, um, you, you do want to see change. So you feel, you feel like it's, whatever if I can quickly say something then I'll say it but it is tiring I do feel like sometimes I'm just like Google's there Twitter's there like resources are so accessible so why not use them um but yeah I do feel tired and I feel like um I've had specific like experiences I work as the editor-in-chief of RadMag and um when I was incoming to the magazine I was kind of working with the previous editor and we were working on our last issue and we were we were doing a cover and this was our first in six issues our first person of color on the cover and it was this like black model on the cover and there was two photos that we really liked one was a beauty shot and one was like a shot of her crotch because the like she was wearing this like underwear and it had like um text on it and so it really showed the embroidery of the Bronwyn. like of the yeah of Bronwyn um, her garments, and it was really beautiful. And they really liked it, and they really wanted it to be the cover, him and the this other girl on our team, and myself and the like the uh, my our current art director, um, we're both like people of color. We feel very strongly about um, 
like the direction of the magazine and a huge thing when I came onto the magazine I was like your magazine's super whitewashed like you need to fix it um and I, that's what I want to do when I go on to Rad Mag and um he was very like set in stone that he wanted that crotch photo as the cover and I was just like no <laughs> and then we kind of had to go back and forth I had to email him and I had to like basically tell him a history of like you can't do that because black women's bodies are sexualized in, in the media often when we do see them this is your first person of color and it's going to be her crotch like that's crazy to me and he was just kind of like well we can talk about it more and I was like so I sent you this whole email and you're still arguing with me about like my feet like these are not just my feelings these are facts that I'm telling you and um yeah. we had to kind of even I had to, we had to meet up and talk about it and then we had to come to a compromise so then we ended up doing the beauty shot on the front and the crotch shot on the back so it was a double-sided cover and I still I was like okay it's a compromise but I don't know why I had to go back and forth with you for like three four emails about something that is so clearly set in stone that you is not appropriate um and so it's it's stuff like that that you kind of gets you riled up but what can you do yeah yeah, I'm also, like, thinking about in terms of, like, our relationships with people and, like, how conscious of a decision do we make to, like, have different ethnic people as our friends. Mm-hmm. Like, I have, I only have black and white friends, mm. which is, like, really strange to me. Oh. Like, and I just was reflecting and I'm like, wow, why don't I have any other types of friends? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why don't I hang around people like that? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's because I'm a product of, like, my environment, who yeah. I'm exposed to. So it's, like... Even, like, in your everyday life, like, do you, like, do you notice these things or do you try? Like, I feel like it's hard. I can't just mm-hmm. walk up to, like, a, like a Korean person and be like, hey, you want to be my friend? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, I don't have an Asian friend. Do you want to be my friend? You know what I mean? Like, it's, like, hard. And even, like, dating, it's, like, do you feel like you're expected to date a certain type of race? Like, do you feel like, do you sometimes feel mad if you see, like, oh uh what's it called a, a black guy with like a white girl and it's like they only date white girls or like uh, even like those types of things like how do you feel like i know it's not really in the topic of fashion yeah. but it's just like interesting to think about yeah in terms of like do you feel obligated like in the types of relationships you have to like be with certain people like either friends yeah romantically do you feel like you should have um I just naturally have friends of like all different backgrounds so it's it wasn't something I ever like really thought thought about um but I do find as a black person it's easier sometimes to be with other black people because they just naturally know what you're going through like you know uh being friends with other people of color it's great because they they do get it but then there's certain things that you're just like why'd you have to say that why'd you have to do that and then you it's kind of that but that doesn't deter me from being friends with them that's kind of a learning curve and I'm sure like me growing up I've said things about like other races and I'm like okay whoa collect yourself that's not okay so um it's it's a learning process I think both ways yeah for me I think it was a little bit of a like a learning curve like a learning yeah curve yeah. yeah. Um, I grew up um, in a predominantly white neighborhood growing up until high school. I was surrounded by white people. I was usually the only black girl in my classes, in my dance classes, always the only black family in my dance studios. And I think growing up, I was just 
attracted to white people because I was surrounded by them and I never saw any black people other than my family members. But now, going off of what Napper said, I definitely agree. Seeing, um, you just like, you can understand the struggle that you have with other black people. And I think in certain relationships, it's it's nice to have that understanding off the bat. Um, but that's not to say that like I wouldn't date somebody out of my race, for for instance. But I can definitely attest to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Right? It's 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 it is easier, and it it is comforting knowing that you have the same like backgrounds or experiences. Does that make sense? So, yeah. Luke, what about you? Um, I I think the only thing I can say is I have a, I had a similar high school experience to Emmett, where I went to a high school that was extremely diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, where I was like the token blonde, blue-eyed kid because we grew up in a neighborhood that was a little bit, you know, a little bit impoverished um, in a small section. So there was a lot of like immigrant families and a lot. I went to a feeder high school. So there was, you know, kids from Mm -hmm. a bunch of different communities. Um, And I think what happened there was is that everybody just kind of gets along, but they sort of adopt one culture. And I went to a Catholic high school where 60% of the kids who went to that school weren't even Catholic. So there was like this predominant institutionalized racism that taught a West, very Western Catholic mm-hmm. lifestyle and that it was ingrained in you know, education from day one. All these kids had to take religion and mm-hmm. learn the Bible and all that stuff. And it doesn't, it's not as intense as I'm probably making it to see in terms of the education in that perspective, but I think what it did, what it sort of just melted everybody together under a consistent culture. So I had a group of friends that was extremely diverse from every background you can think of. My brother, same thing, his group of friends, he's younger than me, his group of friends is like very diverse, but they all sort of act in, in one culture. So mm-hmm. I don't, I think being at Ryerson, I've come to fully understand the impacts of institutionalized discrimination and how like systems and policies and education are so flawed and at Ryerson I could talk to you all day about how flawed it is and Mm -hmm. how at least from a design perspective how blatantly racist the education is Mm -hmm. um but I think growing up I just didn't expect anybody to act any different than or like you know what I mean like we're different visibly but you know all the boys acted the same way mm-hmm. you know and ironically i guess a lot of them did adapt sort of elements of what would be quote unquote like black culture or like hip hop culture or whatever how they would put it but i wouldn't ne- necessarily expect people to act any differently from what we were kind of forced into in this western white catholic mm-hmm. education system so i have a very like or had a very like strewed understanding of what diversity was or what different what people of different backgrounds really meant and how to like approach or discuss topics about that or how to like you know just be around people in that in those settings like appropriately I guess so so I guess like the last like a last question to ask would be like in terms of like how we consume content and like social media and fashion because those are all related um should we like how focused should we be on diversity or on inclusiveness whether that be like gender wise or like just the types of stories we're telling like it as people who consume fashion or just consume media like what should we do or what are we doing personally that will like i don't know help shape our new like our culture or just help that conversation or like just help 
the industry as a whole. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's super important. I mean, the world is a diverse place. So why should the media reflect anything different? Why should our social media reflect anything different? We all have money to spend. We all love fashion for our own reasons. We all use social media. So to me, it still seems so flawed that there are people that don't see themselves represented on a daily basis, that don't have products or brands reflecting them, catering to them, acknowledging them. Um, In the creative industries program, like a lot of my background has been in business and kind of the more corporate side of fashion and the arts in general. Um, And over the years, like I've come across insane studies and data that shows, you know, I mean, to put it in a gross way, like companies that reflect are diverse in their, you know, hierarchy internally, but also companies that cater to diverse people, they make more money because you have everybody to choose from. You're reflecting everybody, you're catering to everybody. Everybody can see themselves as participating in your company. And I mean, if you're gonna be racist, but still be diverse, at least, like at least do it for the financial side of it like it's just it makes no sense to pigeonhole yourself into one like very diverse kind of or one like niche non-diverse market um but as somebody who's also like come from a very white background um coming to Ryerson and like being exposed to all these different diverse cultures and also learning along the way the challenges and nuances that come with living in a diverse culture um I definitely want to be somebody in my career that pushes the industry forward, that makes it possible for people of all races, all body types. Like we haven't even gotten into the whole disability, body type, body size, body shape side of things. Um, Gender as well. Like um, we'll probably discuss this in another episode. Like the fashion industry is predominantly run by women, but why are all the major brands and major companies still run by white men? Like that blows my mind and seems so imbalanced. Um, So, I mean, diversity definitely oftentimes falls into those racialized discussions, but there are so many other ways that the industry needs to step up in being diverse that we haven't even touched upon. There are entirely other cans of worms. Um, So, taking all of that into account um, I definitely think the industry has a long way to go and it just seems stupid that the content that's out there now doesn't service everybody I don't know everybody no, else feels I the agree same way. Yeah. I feel like what you were saying like we didn't even talk about all the other intersecting yeah. parts of of um, diversity that could play into it and there are so many other parts and they really are everything is just so loaded that you really do need like another complete other like episode for it. Yeah, I just feel like the best way you can be an ally is retweet, do what you can on social media, like, comment, like, post it. I feel like a lot of people are like, how do I help? I can't help because I'm not a part of this community, but you can. You just need to figure out a 
the appropriate ways, which is not talking over people, but passing the mic over. So a lot like this podcast, which is like full of different types of people who can voice their opinions on things they actually know and experience rather than you just having a panel of people who don't actually live those experiences. They're just looking at it from an outside perspective. So it's about doing what you can. And I I know people look at social media as like a negative sometimes and it can be it can be like a complete like just suck you in for no reason um but it's really powerful and if you just do what you can to retweet repost comment like that is in itself is being helpful um and then trying not to take up space where you're not supposed to take up space um so if you want to learn and go do like a panel discussion, go to the panel discussion and learn. But don't be like in the front being like, yo, what's up? Can I like take your mic? Can I, can I get your mic and like ask my several questions? Like it's not your place. Um, and I think those conversations are happening more and more these days. So hopefully mm-hmm. it starts to become more apparent that that's the solution to it. Right. Yeah. I can definitely agree with you, Nabra. Um, in terms of social media, I think it's really important for us to call certain things out as soon as we see them and, and definitely talk to our friends about issues that we see via social media because it's it's a way for it to become widespread and mainstream um, off the bat. Um, I always say, I've said this before, I've said this today, vote with your dollar. That's something that I'm really trying to do and I think it's one of the best ways for us to, um, to voice where we want to see the future going and um if you know if we see that there's a push towards more inclusive um brands more inclusive um fashion labels whatever i think that is where the future will head and so um you know buy something buy like support a brand that you see yourself in support a brand where you see um inclusivity in and that you you support um that's something that uh, i think is really important but also if you are in the creative industries and you do want to have a career um in fashion or whatever um like hustle like truly hustle and get those positions that you want um in whatever capacity that may be but truly truly hustle because that is where diversity will come from is is when we have uh, people infiltrating or you know making positions for themselves and making spaces for themselves Uh, basically what I always like to do is just keep myself really informed and that's through like I feel like everything just boils down to just like being like educated and like just understanding the issues first Mm -hmm. so then once you understand them you can like then decide to like dissect them and like actually actively be a part of like a solution so even just language and just how we speak to people like mm-hmm. you hear like certain things and be like oh oh like that's a that's a black guy you can't do this mm-hmm. or like being like oh wow you speak you, you sound white yeah stuff like that like i get those things a lot so just like yeah. understanding like just like in on like an educational standpoint like reading the newspaper more being involved in like world issues which makes you a more interesting person like not even that you're like a better person you're just more interesting you have more to talk about when you're at a bar like you know what i mean like just keeping yourself more informed and then um trying to like follow different types of news outlets because a lot of the times it's very like biased or like one opinion like you might follow something that's like super super liberal but like finding a more neutral type of media outlet 
to like go to will help you as well because you, everything you're reading is going to be kind of biased because everyone has a bias you know what I mean yeah whether that's correct or not correct just keeping that like where you get your sources of information like more like you know more yeah. diverse yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. all right so that was a lot we unpacked <laughs> a lot <laughs> we talked a lot which is good I think yeah conversations like this need to happen more often this was why this episode was super important to a lot of us on this team Vanessa Nabra thank you so so much for taking time out of your Sunday to come and unpack all these things with us Um, if people liked what you said and are interested to know more about you where can they find you Um, my social handle is Nabra N-A-B-R-A and then B-A-D-R that's for Instagram it's pretty much where I live Um, but if you want to go to blush the digital website it's blush b l s h i removed the vowels because we're trendy um, <laughs> it's blushdigital.com and that's the website nice. uh, for me it will pr- predominantly be instagram so my handle is vanessa um nicole s so yeah you can find amazing me <laughs> amazing All right, so I think that does it for this week. Um, Uba and Luke, also, thank you for joining us. Emmett has left now, but Emmett was here earlier, so thank you, Emmett. Um, Stay tuned for future episodes. I know we missed a couple weeks due to student life, (laughs) school, exams, but we're back up and running. Um, Hope you enjoyed. Make sure to like and subscribe to Struggle Circle on Anchor and iTunes. Um, And as always, thank you to Noah and his team at CJRU. Um, Running this podcast this year has been amazing, and we're hoping we can turn it into something cool. So we will all see you next time. Bye. (laughs)